All right, hit us. I'm Elena. Oh, I'm Mom. I was like, we're not supposed to say it <laughs> yet, are we? What, what's happening? <laughs> I know. When she threw your finger Am I finger supposed to talk about you? the drink? Am I supposed to say be smart? What is happening? I forgot. <laughs> I'm Sherry, and this is Outline of a Murder. Now, I didn't know if you uh, knew this, Elena, but... Yes, Sherry. Mom threw a boomerang a few years ago, and she's still waiting for it to come back. <laughs> <laughs> Although that she was, just asked what a boomerang was. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what a boomerang was, but that was funny. All okay. right. So, bartender Elena, bartender yes. sister, what are we having this episode? So, this is probably one of my top five tasty beverages. Perfect for summer. It's called an Aperol Spritz, and it's an Italian based bubbly. Aperol situation. Because the theme is bubbly. Yeah. Okay. We did have quite a few sprit, uh, spritz mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. was recommended Italy? by mm-hmm. Dario. Yeah. Dario. Yes. Dario. Who's Dario? I wonder what my Italian okay. name should be. Let me let me think about it. He was that. so oh. awesome. He'd take his Okay, hey, where's a, a good place let's to take eat? Go and y'all walk you okay. there. Okay. Yep. All right. I'm going to You can squeeze the orange in there. Mm. Mm. That's good. That is good. It would be real good if it's colder. You got the be rude part down. <laughs> That's why you say it. So damn critical. No, but it's good. really good. It is. I'm gonna have to Thank say, you, Sherry. Okay, four point seven five. <laughs> you just Seriously. not gonna go to the five, are you? <laughs> no, it has to be perfect. Uh, what is not perfect about this, aside from this, it, it needs a large It a little slope. bit sweeter. Yeah, you would need a sweeter uh, bubbly for that. No, that's good. It is this good. is really good. What do you What do you rate it at? You might be able to put more aperol in it, but that's 4. a better. Okay. Yeah. Did, did, did I like it? Sherry, tell you about last season about her drinking. Oh, uh, that was terrible. If she didn't f- forgot something, she just had something else. Oh yeah, I just made it. <gasps> then she was not no. measuring the things right. No. <gasps> she if it's a half a cup, you'd put what a cup or a quarter of a cup. It well, was I didn't all call for anything half a cup. I know, but, exaggeration, but... You know, yeah, I just, you know... Well, no, one of I them have that, to have exact. One of them that I just threw together, you loved. I'm like, this is disgusting, mm-hmm. and I will never drink this. And I just said it to the It's side. like having tacos, but changing the recipe. So maybe sometimes you squeeze the orange in there. Sometimes you can add a little bit more apple. I'm trying to get it out, I have to I dig it, it out, out and stuff. But yeah, yeah and so I left it's all really the good. orange inside. I can't get it out uh, You know, Mike, it... It was one of his pet peeves that I'll have a new Come recipe, and he's like, do you have all the ingredients? I don't know. <laughs> we'll go to start cooking, Can't and I don't do it. have it all. Can you make it. mashed potatoes once, and did you text me or someone and say, hey, can you use water? I uh, know that was gravy. Yeah. <laughs> and oh. it tasted like flour with water. Right. And then it was so thick, I could fill in nail holes on my wall, which I did. Why would you make to gravy with water? You know, I was just no. trying to improvise it, while you, you got didn't have any milk. Yeah. yeah. That's the, that makes it creamy. That's right. the essence of the gravy, yeah. so it doesn't taste like flour. Anyway, and Mike doesn't yeah. trust me. Yeah, Obviously. I don't have any trust with Des- or Desi doesn't have any trust with me on uh, expiration dates. Oh, well, wow. I wouldn't either. It's Some a suggestion. of you are really out there. It's a suggestion. Not, Especially not if five years go by. Best Buy not is, five you years know, later. a suggestion. You'll be fine. I'll have to make yeah. Mike some gravy while he's here. Oh, he loved that. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. 
So this case is perfect for our purpose of breaking down things for people getting helpful information because this man was full of rage. He abused every single woman he was with until he finally killed one. What are you doing? I'm trying to get my orange I told out because no. I want to eat it. Dude, I'm not going to do it. Go like that. You have small fingers. You can do that. Or just well, keep you doing what to, you're doing. You Isn't that use, what you just said? No. You have to You have to use both fingers. Oh. Ah, so close, Go but yet like both of them? She said both of them. Look at there. Both of them. Good job, Mom. Good job. Mm-mm. Smacking in our podcast. So, anyway, back to the killer. Back uh-huh. to the case. <laughs> okay. Oh yes. Yeah, sorry. So the one thing, because there's red flags everywhere. This one's going to be pretty much, you know, you don't need to dissect it hardly at all because you'll be able to tell that this person need to get away. But here's what I want to um, emphasize. Okay. I want whoever's listening to this case to understand you're worth more. That's what I want them to get out of this because you don't have to ever. You just put your orange in my coffee cup. I'm trying to be serious. You're literally having to lick your fingers. This is ridiculous. We start over. No, your coffee cup's empty though. Anyway, um, I don't (sighs) even know what to say now. Okay, so let's get to the victim. I'm sorry. Okay, so this lady right here, her name is Jennifer Randell. Uh, she was a New Yorker, born in New York in 1967, I think. I couldn't find the exact date. But her family moved to Casper, Wyoming. 67? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 1967, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but her family moved to Casper, Wyoming. So we're, we're back in another Wyoming case. Uh, mm-hmm. In 1976, so they stayed there from that point on. And um, but I, the rest of the picture, she's like kind of posed, you know, like you know those crazy what 80s and 90s photos where they wear the big hair yes, and yes. sparkly things. Did you ever do that? Was mm-hmm. that something? Yeah. Oh, oh. In the 60s, I used to tease my hair up. Well, this isn't the 60s. This well, is. I know, but you know, she's got beautiful eyes. Yeah, so she's got a little bit of sass in her mm-hmm, mm-hmm, her picture, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she graduated from high school in 1985, and attended college as well. But I'm not sure if she like got a degree, if she had attended the entire time she needed to get the degree. I, I don't know if she had that. But after she attended some college or all college, she owned a cleaning business, and then she also worked as a waitress, and she mm-hmm. met a guy named Donald. Uh, this guy right here, mm-hmm. Donald, um, I, don't, I don't know if it's Raleigh, R-O-L-L-E, it might be, but her and him dated for several years. Or Rolly. Might have been Rolly. attractive. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't yeah, bad looking yeah. at all back then. Um, this is another picture of him with Aww. his little boy. Aww. And uh, unfortunately, even though he was a good-looking man, he was also a poop bird who liked to hit women. Oh. Okay? Mm-hmm. And Jennifer was no exception. In fact, he had an extensive history of violence uh, toward humans and animals. Oh, boy. Well, it's interesting you say that because I was looking at this picture with um, the calf, and it's he's gently holding that. Mm-hmm. 
Interesting. Yeah, what you're referring to is they had gone hunting, and they're holding up the horns to get a oh. picture. Oh, I definitely I thought, thought was, yeah. that he was holding the a cat. nope. Right. <laughs> oh. Disregard. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, Let's make it bigger, gosh. sister. <laughs> so anyway, it's yeah, it's it's um, a picture of a post hunting that. It looks like a deer, but the hide looks interesting, like more like a cow hide. Yeah. But I think it's definitely a deer. And then even in this picture, it so looks like he's showing some affection tender. to yeah. his son. But he, and, and this is going to be a, a short case, but I, I did want to bring it in because of the fascinating aspects of the crime, as well as the interview of the son on Evil Lives Here, which I highly recommend. Now, again, they dated several years uh, off and on. And on November 3rd, 2007, Jennifer and Raleigh were on a date at Butch's Bar in Evansonville, Wyoming, in spite of probation conditions that barred Raleigh from contacting Jennifer. Mm. Oh. So there was a case or a restraining order? Okay, so that's what I couldn't figure out. I'm thinking the probation was due to violence toward her. From what I could kind of gather, I couldn't find the actual charges or anything um, as far as whether she was involved in the incident that had him on probation, or was it a previous woman, or was it for something totally different? But I'm assuming that it was definitely something toward her because there was that restraining order. So I'm thinking he probably beat her and was arrested, and now part of his probation is stay away. And that's another thing we see repeatedly in these cases where the women... Number one, go back to the poop bird. But number two, uh, they're at a bar. Seriously? Yeah. Do you know what, though? I mean, I don't defend anybody in domestic violence, but when women love somebody, even if the sign's right in front of you, I've seen it, they still stay. Oh, it'll be okay. I'll fix it. He's sorry. Over and over and over and over. That's a really good point because I think one of the things that researchers have found is that they they get beat up, but they go into that honeymoon period. Mm-hmm. So all the love bombing, all of the, you know, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. They are master manipulators, and they know how to reel mm-hmm. these women back in. It makes sense. But for a woman, though, I'm just talking about their frame of mind. Mm-hmm. And, and even some that are really smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dear John, look at her. Yeah. A smart, her own business. Did, did you just say Dear John? Yeah. And the, it's Dirty I John. I mean, Dirty John. She was smart, had a career, yeah. raised two children, and Very accomplished. children. Yeah. And she felt like she was at a place in her life where she now wanted to have a romantic interest and see what life she could build. Yeah. It wasn't like she was unintelligent no. in any way. And neither was this lady. I mean, like, she... She was feisty, but she was not unintelligent. Poor, rich. It could be anybody. It could be anybody. Anybody. Yeah, and that's why we do these episodes. Mm -hmm. And so, again, we've got the situation where he's on probation, stay away from her, and then they end up where alcohol is. It just, I'm like, guys, please stop with the alcohol. Alcohol makes everything worse. Yeah. Agreed. But I'm also wondering if that was a bonding thing for them or a familiar it could have been. Oh, yeah. type thing but for them. But I remember when my dad and his last wife, um, they would always go out and drink. They yeah. were always going to bars mm-hmm. and they always ended up in fights and it mm-hmm. did not help. Yeah. And so maybe that's a bonding thing, but if you see that it's causing violence or right. it's making things worse, 
stop, yeah. get away from each other, whatever you need to do. Yeah. And they ended up divorcing, but I just don't see any good in combining alcohol with people that are abusive. And some people are like, you know, I used to go out and have drinks, but I liked pool. Yeah, like not excessive drinking, yeah, getting drunk. Yeah, a, yeah. yeah. Susan and I used to go dancing and not have one drink, just water. Well, you know, just something and this do. is, we saw this with the Daniel Thomas mm-hmm. case, the very first two episodes right. we did of the season where they go out to, you know, and she suggested it. Right. And then she goes to get her dog and he ends up killing her. So alcohol and violence do not mix. Mm -hmm. And so this is a definite case where you've got physical violence. Right. Okay. I wonder if she knew it before she got with him. I don't know. Doubt it. See, that's what I'm wondering, too. Is it a small town? I mean, you know what I mean? Because he had an extensive history of violence. And I don't know. Like, if you, like, let's say that you're in the relationship and then they hit you for the first time obviously get away and that's why i said you know the red flags are obvious but knowing your worth is the hard work that's yeah. the hard part mm-hmm. right <clears throat> but i would say the first time even if you get slapped you need to start finding ex-girlfriends like if you're yeah. thinking of staying with this person you need to start finding ex-girlfriends finding ex-wives talk to the kids you know i don't know something figure out well that probably especially the well, first that's time the thing. Yeah. if it's gonna make them mad then oh, you need to well. get away yeah yeah but if it happens the first time and you find out and ask around, that there's a history. then you might be like, oh, hell no. But you know what? Sometimes it doesn't matter. It I doesn't, mean, I know a person yeah. that everyone said, don't marry this person. And they, they did anyway. And uh-huh. now they're in a, an unhealthy marriage. So, you know. But it depends, too, on the reason. Well, and, you know, why it's you funny. Someone. It's funny. Um, there was this girl I absolutely adore her. And she was a missionary. And she would live with us for a while. And she meets this guy on the mission field. You know, so they already had that common bond. They're pursuing God. They're helping others. And when they, and it was one of those whirlwind romances, again, like they were married within months. And I had my misgivings. I, uh, he was a former drug addict, and I was worried oh. that he was going to get back into drugs again if they got married. And there were just, like, several little things that didn't set well with me and Mike. Sure enough, exactly what we thought and saw occurred, and he ended up getting back on meth to the point where he looked like he was 80 years old, even though he was in his 20s or early 30s. And so after everything blew up, and she's now remarried, has two wonderful kids from that first marriage, I... I messaged her, and what I had, I saw her pulling away from us. Like when they would come into town, they would go visit everybody, but we wouldn't hear anything. We wouldn't get any, you know, and it, it was really hurtful. I and, think that happened, so. Yeah, and so I kind of pulled back as well because I'm like, well, if you don't want a relationship with me, I'm not going to keep pursuing it. Mm-hmm. I'll just pull away. So fast forward, um, I asked her, I said, hey, I saw signs. Would Should I have talked to you? Should I have told you those? And would you have listened? And she was very honest. She said, I would have liked to have known because everybody post-marriage, post-divorce said, yeah, we knew this would probably happen. And if I would have heard from enough people, I might have second-guessed marrying him. She said, but probably in all honesty, I would have done it anyway. She would have. I told someone before they got married that uh, he was cheating. She got mad at me. And I never heard from her again. Well, and she I decided I would be willing to risk the relationship at yeah, this point. I, would on. Tell. I had kick. that. 
I uh, I had that <laughs> situation okay? where someone wasn't honest with me. Or actually, multiple people weren't honest with me until post. Yeah. So had a really good friendship with someone, you know, same situation, but more severe. And I was like, it may, it may, um, I'll risk the relationship mm-hmm. just to give her oh. what I didn't. Yes. Mm-hmm. And do you think that you would have listened? Yep. Okay. See, some people will. Some people, they're not caught up in the romantic feelings as much as others. And being warned, I, if I would have been warned of a relationship, I'm, I'm not sure I would have heeded the advice. It One person on, in particular, I thousand percent would have listened to. It depends on the time yeah. of your life, too. Yeah. If you're younger, oh, no, love will keep us alive. I was yeah. young. But when you're older, well, that's pretty rare mm-hmm. when you're young it is to rare. listen. Yeah. yeah, it is rare. But And it may depend on the person that would have talked as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I would have had like you know family members or several deep friendships say something, I might have thought about it, but I don't know if I would have made any different decisions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now, here's one thing that's important to understand about mindset uh, in, in these cases. For a lot of these women, their self-worth is super duper low yeah for whatever reason it could be past abuse or a lack of a loving home or maybe just ideas about themselves that they collected over the years where they don't see how amazing they are they don't think they're worthy of a good love or a great partner uh or like in the jason bond case they think they can change the person so and again that that feeds into ego as well and i want people to understand that your need to change someone is typically sourced in ego and a lot of people don't understand that, but just think about it. What need is driving you to change that person, mm-hmm. right? And then for others, they legitimately love the perpetrator and they believe their promises should change or they like the honeymoon stage. Right. Okay, but here's another thing research has shown that the brain will gravitate to what is familiar, whether mm-hmm. it's good or bad. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So if people are used to poop birds, dating poop birds, or if they're used to abuse because they were raised in it, their brain will actually gravitate toward the same. Yeah. That's fascinating. I've seen people marry or get in relationships or do the same thing without relationships, and it's always the same. Yes. Same person tendencies. Yeah. There's a a biblical principle to that as well as like a um, neuroscience principle to that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. The brain likes patterns because yeah. patterns equals safety, even though it doesn't. And uh, you're used to that. Uh, the brain scans also the potential partner. And when it sees like anything familiar, it will connect. And then the rest is history, yeah. whether it's good or bad. But also love bombing, trying to change another, codependent, codependent behaviors. Yeah. That can be a pattern, too, of thinking. And the brain will naturally go to that. So the victim is getting some need met in the whole thing, whether it's the brain's like, oh, I'm used to this, or the ego's being fed because you're trying to change that person. So you think anybody that's that's in a relationship, for instance, my brother-in-law, what is he getting out of that? Well, because that's where you want to have um, awareness, right? So it's like, okay, look for anything that's similar to the post one or the past relationship. Well, I know, but I mean, usually when you are are with someone that is like that, it has different tendencies. I think it's from his family. 
what is actually keeping that person there? What are they getting out of it? To you well, know, what sometimes I mean? just the idea of such a life change, like the the pain point of you know getting away from someone, having to find a place to live. What's this going to do with the finances? How's this going to affect oh, children true. and stepchildren? I mean, people don't want to change bank accounts even though their bank's crappy because they don't want to order new checks, right? They don't want to put their new bank accounts into all of their, you know, stuff. So the pain point of making such a drastic change can keep a lot of people there as well. Or the idea of helping somebody. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. The savior. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I think people also need to be aware of rebound relationships because if if you leave a relationship and then you are rebounding into another now and this may anger some people but here's the deal you're getting something from that relationship whether you're low your self-esteem is low or they're helping you with their wounds it is a selfish motive mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so the best thing you can do is actually be alone yes yeah deal with Take your stuff uh-huh. you know like we tell people don't avoid pain dig in it because that's where the gold is that's where your life becomes better Mm-hmm. And and so I remember one lady, I made her promise me to not marry the person she like she was already attracted and wanted to date a person before the last marriage was even over and I was mad at her. Mm-hmm. And I said, I need you to promise me that you will at least take a year and be alone. And she did. She kept her word. So it's again, we're driven by these needs that are actually a lot of ego and a lot of selfishness. Sometimes even if you take time, though, a crappy person's still a crappy person. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know if your friend married or married him or not, but well, you I know, think when you take sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. That's it. I think when you take time, the whole purpose of taking that time when you're told to take that time is work on yourself, yep. heal, yeah, um, rebound. Typically temporarily you get those needs met that you weren't getting met in the previous yeah. relationship and then, and then you get the so hook real. in you 100 yeah. percent. it yeah. feels so real and it feels like you're in love and you're not yeah you're just getting a need met yeah mm-hmm. so now okay so back to this i'm like armchair psychologist but this right. is good stuff we're though. not psychologists people need to dissect and understand why they keep ending up in these situations mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. before it's too late and uh, so the couple, they go to the bar, and they, um, I guess, Raleigh tried to get in a fight with another person at the bar. So just like Brian Laundry, he's being aggressive, he's trying to pick fights, but the bouncers restrained him. Shortly after, both of them left the bar, and one of the witnesses heard Raleigh order Jennifer, get the F up, let's go, we're getting the F out of here. And then Jennifer said, why, what did I do wrong? Oh, he must have hit her down. Guys, if you are being spoken to like that, That's get away. A sign. Yeah. Yes, get away. Don't leave. Get call the cops on him. Let him get arrested for picking fights, and then you get to safety. People like him, though, love control. Oh, absolutely. So the more oh, you're yeah. scared, the worse it will get over time. Yeah. But I like her response. Like, why? What did I <laughs> yeah. do that was yeah. wrong? The problem is she's been drinking. He's been drinking. So does she have clarity of mind to recognize the danger? I don't think she did. Mm. So and it may have been their normal. And it could yeah. be normal. Could yeah. be their norm. Because we know that he norm. obviously did something to her because he was on probation yeah. and was supposed to stay away from her. Yeah. Around 934 the same day, 911 received a disturbing phone call from Jennifer to report that she was being held against her will 
in Raleigh's vehicle. She wasn't sure where she was being taken. Oh. The call lasted nine minutes. I couldn't find it. I tried to find it. But and he was in the car, too? Yeah. She uh-huh. identified Donald Raleigh as a perpetrator. They heard screams, and they heard a struggle. She said, you're going to kill me. And then Raleigh's voice was heard saying, I'm going to cut your effing eyes out. The call ended abruptly, and law enforcement spent all night trying to find her, but they couldn't. I wonder why, though, someone aggressive like that would let her not only call 911, but keep the phone on for 10 minutes. He may not have known. Because she didn't say, you know, say uh, that I'm on the phone with 911. But anyway, he, and he might have been drunk as well. Yeah. You know, and he didn't realize that it was live. But they couldn't find them, and, you know. So the next morning, and I remember the crime scene. It was like in the middle of nowhere, and there there was like some trees and some brush over to the side. A rancher found the vehicle. It it was like it was stuck off on a dirt road. And law enforcement arrived, and they discovered his truck, that it was Raleigh's truck, and he was standing outside of the truck with blood all over his clothes. (sighs) Uh, when he saw the police, he got back in his vehicle and he started slashing his wrists. And they were eventually able mm. to get him out of the vehicle and they found her body inside. That's uh-huh. a super rare method to kill yourself for a man. Yeah. Yeah, for a man, yeah. So it sounds like he beats her. Yeah. And then he's, you know, outside the vehicle, probably trying to figure out what the heck to do, you know, now because he's you killed her. Men shoot themselves or. And he stabbed himself in their neck while yeah. he cut his wrist. Hang. You know. But yeah, what hang. was the what was the method of murder? Okay, so the uh, autopsy said that she suffered numerous abrasions, contusion, contusions, and lacerations. She had a stab wound mm. in the back of her neck, okay. multiple defensive cuts on her hands, two rib fractures, a broken nose, and bruises all over her body. The most serious trauma was to her head. She had extensive bruising, swelling, and lacerations from, quote, many, many blows to her head and neck. He had pulled out patches of her hair. He had tried to strangle her, and her cause of death was from brain swelling due to blunt force trauma to her head. Oh, my word. So he beat her to death. Well, and stabbed her and... and, 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 um Strangled her. Strangled her. My word. What anger that is. Mm -hmm. He was in an absolute rage. Uh, This is a picture of him. Oh, uh, a bit of a smile there. Nice. Um, And we'll get to the sun in a second. But the trial, I mean, it was pretty much cut and dry. You know, the police arrive. He's outside the vehicle. He's got blood all over him. You know, he tries to slash his wrist. Uh, So he has, you know, this history of violence towards strangers, women, animals he was convicted of first degree murder felony murder and kidnapping however he used his past in uh, an appeal Uh, and then he brought um, an appeal based on uncharged misconduct evidence so i kind of wanted to dive into it a little bit 
uh, it was really interesting. Uh, so uncharged misconduct conduct evidence is legal if it's in the confines of the Wyoming, Wyoming law. So here it is. Other crimes, wrongs, or acts is not admissible to prove the character of a person in, a, in order to show that he acted in conformity therewith. It may, however, be admissible for other purposes such as proof of motive, opportunity, intent, preparation, plan, knowledge, identity, and absence of mistake or accident. Okay, so here's what he did. Raleigh tried to say that Jennifer killed herself. Killed herself by stabbing herself in the back of the neck, strangling herself. Hitting her head against the whatever. Front and back and hitting her whole body. Then he tried to minimize his involvement. Of course. Implying it was an accident and he was trying to defend himself. Oh, boy. So here's the law. You cannot use past bad acts to sway the jury Mm -hmm. to think, well, if he did it. Yeah. That time, he needs to go jail, yeah. to jail for that crime. Right. Yeah. And then there's no evidence that he did the other one or mm-hmm. it was self-defense or whatever. So you can't sway the jury. However, you can use prior bad acts to show knowledge, intent, etc. So they can use those to, to show that he had an intent that was abusive and he was going to harm her. Mm-hmm. So it's a really fine line because it can't be too prejudicial for the jury. Well, the only reason they decided to do that is he tried to say it was a mistake or accident. Uh. Because he leveled that defense, that opened the door for the prosecutors to then bring in prior bad acts to show intent. Nice. Yeah, so he actually did it to himself. Did he not have a lawyer? Not that it was needed. Or no, because Jeez. how are you going to do it yourself? An accident, bounce all over a place, and right, you know, I mean, just shut up and, and and just take your pay. Right. Stop wasting money on the taxpayers. Okay, so they were trying to show as well that this was not a passion killing; it was actually premeditated. Oh, that was important from because, the bar. Mm-hmm. Because they wanted to get him on the most time. So the fact that he brought that up. Again, open the door for them to be able to bring this in and show that everything he did to her was premeditated murder. Excellent. Even if he decided it in that moment. Yeah. And uh, and that way they could get him and get him for longer time. Okay. Now, there's some criteria that has to be followed and answered by the appeals court to make sure the jury wasn't, you know, swayed by his past crimes. So here's some of the, the questions. The evidence has to have a, a, a definite purpose. You know, you can't just fling past acts around. You have to hone in his past behavior and past bad acts within the confines of showing intent, knowledge, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, all of that stuff. So you can't just bring in everything to the court system. The other one was it has to be relevant, which goes along with that. The probative value of the evidence must not substantially be outweighed by its potential for unfair prejudice. So in other words, you can't, like, let's say he's charged for what he did to Jennifer. Well, you can't bring in evidence saying, yeah, he's done this to a child. Back in the 70s, he beat a child and almost killed her and blah, blah, because that would unduly terrify and horrify the jury. 
and we're not dealing gotcha. with a child in this case. Yeah. We're dealing with a female adult. Makes sense. Yeah, so they can't do that. Upon request, the trial court must instruct the jury that the similar acts evidence is to be considered only for the purpose for which it was admitted. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, part of the appeal is that the court was in error for not giving a limited instruction immediately after the introduction of the uncharged misconduct evidence, but rather waited until the close of it. In other words, they didn't say and give instruction on how to use it until closing arguments. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, the appellate, appellate court was reviewing the admissibility of the evidence under the law based on the following. How clear is it that the defendant committed the prior bad act? Does the defendant dispute the issue on which the state is offering the prior bad acts evidence? Is there other evidence available that the prosecutors can use versus bringing in the prior bad acts? Is the evidence unnecessarily cumulative? And how much time has elapsed between the charged crime and the prior bad act? So what that means is they can't add just more evidence from prior bad acts to the current. Right. Right. You know, so it has to be very refined and within a clear scope. Now, as far as how clear it was that he committed the crime, that is a mute point. Obviously, he did. Right. Did he commit the prior bad acts? Well, the state had eyewitness testimony, including from his former wife, who was abused just like Jennifer. Mm. Plus, they had supporting documents. So the state had to be very careful with the evidence because it can only be probative, meaning it had to serve the above purposes. Now, there are other factors to consider. Number one, how reprehensible was the prior bad act? The more reprehensible, the more the jury could be tainted. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, what a crap bird. Right. It's kind of like, you know, you see cases where maybe the suspect had an affair and everybody's like, oh, yeah, if he had an affair, I'm right. sure he killed her. No, you can't do that as a jury. That's totally separate. You may not like the person, but is that evidence that individual committed a crime? Right. No. It isn't, but some people, especially juries now, it's known they go on first impressions. Yes, they do. And first things instead of the evidence. Not only that, but like, let's say that the um, the suspect is good looking. If they're a female, they will get off. They'll get a lighter sentence unless the jury feels that she's using her looks to her advantage. Yeah. If the defendant is a male that's good looking, his chances of being convicted are a lot higher. Uh, someone I know. Yeah. Uh, someone I know. Uh, was on a trial for murder, or, you know, a murder trial. She was in the jury. Mm-hmm. And she said um, she didn't like how he looked and what he said, and she was like, in her mind, hell yeah, you're guilty. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, so yeah. It, it's it's kind of a big deal. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, uh, but Jeez. the other side can go is if you feel sympathetic to the, the person on trial, that you can't go by that either. It's evidence and evidence only. And I think it's rare people can actually distinguish between the two. Yeah. Especially now. Well, I would be scared to death these days to go on trial for anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Agreed. I would, too. When Mike was a jury foreman on several cases, it was hilarious. I'm like, man, I, you know, I've never been picked to be like, in a trial. I mean, I had to go and show up. But um, it was funny because it was a guy that was accused of possession of meth. And he had swallowed a whole bunch of it. 
And that's so, not real yeah, smart. So he, you know, they had to get his stomach cleared out and all that stuff. Well, anyway, there was this sweetheart of a lady that's like, well, just because he had a backpack doesn't mean that he was carrying meth in it. You know, blah, blah, blah. And so Mike goes, well, first of all, the backpack had meth in it. Like, <laughs> you know, like it was on the backpack. Did so yes, that? possessing a backpack didn't mean you were a meth carrier but the fact that the meth was on it means he was methed up and the lady she was like oh that's funny and she started laughing you know but the evidence was very clear that it right. was you know but used you to transport meth but Look people at, have that what's that lady eileen Oh. Warnos, a yeah, monster. and that lady, some lady she didn't even know adopted her. Well, she just had a bad life, you know. She, no, she, she was like, a cold blooded. Yeah, yeah, she was. But that one person, it only takes one person, right. and your whole life is ruined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, also, they had to be really careful with the sympathetic character of the victim uh, of the prior bad act. So mm-hmm. again, the jury would be tempted to punish the defendant for that and not you know, look at the evidence objectively. The similarity between the charged crime and the prior bad bad act was important because if they were really, really similar, then they could attribute that crime to this one. And then also the enormity of the past bad act compared to the current, um, the more serious offense and the charged crime, the introduction of that act will place the defendant in a different and unfavorable light. The comparable relevance of the bad act to the proper and for, forbidden inferences. In other words, evidence of the prior bad act must be more probative than showing how bad the person is. So that's what that right. means. And then, could the prior bad act resulted in a conviction? Because if so, the jury will be tempted to punish that person for that because they feel they got away with it. Jeez. That's human nature, though, I think. Yeah, but right? these are the things. This is why these are the guidelines that the appellate court was looking at because they had to be very careful they do. that this poop bird didn't get convicted of a crime that he did not do or that the jury was improperly swayed because of past bad acts. Even I'll watch some on TV and think, what the hell were they thinking? Why didn't the plea, why wasn't this brought up? It, there's laws. Yeah, there are laws, laws that you have to follow. Mm-hmm. You have to follow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, the appellate's, uh, appellate court's main determination is if any error gave, quote, a reasonable pro- possibility that the verdict might have been more favorable to the defendant if the error had not been made. Prior to trial, a hearing was held on the state's intent to use uncharged misconduct evidence and it was granted, and the court also excluded some of what the state wanted to use for the very reasons outlined above. So that means he was in the process, he knew what they wanted to use, and his attorneys had the opportunity then to object to the prior bad acts. So that kind of helped with the appeal that, no, he he was aware. Mm -hmm. Now, Raleigh took exception to one aspect of the law, and that was the testimony of his former wife listed as DJ in the documents. They claimed that her testimony was highly prejudiced, that he was so violent and abusive that he had to be put away even if he might be innocent of this crime. Uh, and I can kind of see because it was right. very similar. It was another lady. He was very violent with her. But it's stupid because he was literally at the crime scene covered in her blood. Right. So it doesn't matter. Either way, he's going to jail. You know, that's the frustrating part for me for the judicial system is the evidence. Well, you got to have evidence. Got to mm-hmm. have evidence. And even when you have blatant 
evidence like that, it's not good enough. It gets down mm-hmm. to technicalities, too. Dang. Yeah, legal rules. It's and, scary yeah. to me how he could have gotten out. Yeah. Yes. Because he's violent, and he would have killed again. Okay, so DJ, this is from the court records, was in an intimate relationship with Raleigh from February 1992 to February 1994, and then again approximately from December of 94 to December of 95. So again, going back and forth, right? In interviews with police, she described an incident during the first time she was with Raleigh when she and he had been at a local business when a man who had hung a door for her said hello to her. Raleigh went into a jealous rage, assaulted the man for no apparent reason. Oh, my word. In the summer of 1993, Raleigh became angry when he had been drinking because DJ and her children would not ride with him. While at DJ's home, he grabbed her by the neck and began choking her, then pushed her into the bathtub, causing her to strike her head. On January 13, 1994, DJ became involved in an argument with Raleigh. He repeatedly told DJ to hit him. She did eventually, and then Raleigh called the police. As DJ left the room, Raleigh punched her in the back of the head. A police officer responded to the call and arrested both of the parties and found the knot on the back of DJ's head. Raleigh was convicted of battery, but the conviction was reversed due to technical issues with the charging mm-hmm. document. Do you know, though, even in a, a, a court reporter, if they spell one word wrong or anything... It has to be redone, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. That just happened on a recent case, but I forgot which one it was. Yeah, I mean, it's almost ridiculous. Yeah. It's a, they get out for a technicality. After that, uh, Raleigh entered a plea of guilty to the charge and adopted the supporting documents in the case as factual basis. Raleigh admitted during the trial that he pushed DG, uh, but could not explain how a push resulted in a goose egg on the back of her neck. So he hit her so hard, she had a goose egg on her neck. On her neck. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the son saw him punch her in the back of the neck. How old he, was the son? I don't know. Oh. But he also observed that the appellate was often verbally abusive to both himself and DG. Mm. So this is the son. So he testified that he saw his dad hit he looks so his sad. former wife. Mm-hmm. Now, DG would also testify that during times they were apart, Raleigh would destroy her property. There was sufficient, insufficient evidence at the time to prosecute, but Raleigh later admitted that he was responsible for the damage. Jennifer Randell experienced similar problems with Raleigh throughout their relationship. On February 25, 1994, on other occasions, Raleigh contacted DG in violation of court orders. She reported further damage to her vehicles on February 18, 1996, and reported that Raleigh had admitted past acts of vandalism. The second incident occurred just after she applied for an order of protection similar to Randell's. He left notes in the mailbox calling her a slut. He harassed her when she was out in public. Finally, in December of 95, he began cursing her and finally kicked her out of the car on the interstate. He then proceeded to drive the vehicle at her and the children. Even his dog was not exempt from abuse. He would beat the dog until it bled. DG reported incidents of verbal and physical abuse as well as property destruction, the 96 affidavit, and to this day she's terrified. So basically they used that testimony to dispute his claims that Jennifer was, quote, a crazy woman who he was victimized by Uh. on 
multiple occasions in his claims of being the victim of Randell as the first aggressor and his claim of accident make his relationships with under other women particularly relevant to intent, motive, and lack of mistake. Oh, boy. Yeah. So the court decided that there were several case precedents on the admissibility of specific acts of violence in this homicide case. They did think there were some things that maybe were a little bit close, but they didn't violate the law. They decided his prior bad acts to refute his claims of accident and mistake were proper and used properly. On question two, as to whether the defendant disputed the issue on which the state offered these bad acts, of course he disputed, and he had, a, you know, all the time he needed to do that. Uh, they had to ask the, or answer the question on being unnecessarily uh, cumulative, and they said that the because it was so far, like is seven years or six years from this now crime, that that was plenty of time. Good. Uh, and his appeal was denied. He's still in prison. Awesome. Now this is Daniel, his son. Got the frown. And he described what it was like living with him, and what he said was really, really sad. Daniel was terrified that he is pre, like he's genetically predisposed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And let me just say, he had a terrible childhood. Mm-hmm. Has concerns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's not a killer. Yeah. 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 And he, uh, he said, you feel like somehow that it's sleeping somewhere in you. And fat, I don't think he's had any kids, but this is him as a baby. And and he, it's like he has that typical thing that you see with people that have been yeah. raised in abusive relationships where he had good times with his dad, and then he saw his dad be incredibly violent. Yeah. Uh, he describes memories of living with his father, mother, and brother in Wyoming, and then suddenly his mother would take him to North Dakota to where her parents lived for several weeks at a time. Yeah. They were n- never planned, spur of the moment, and they'd even miss school. And then his dad never went with them. Later, his mom revealed that she did this to keep them safe from their dad because his violence had escalated to such a point that if she didn't get him away, she was afraid he was going to kill him. You know, people do say that, but if if you're worried about your children, you know, why keep going back? And that's the question. You know? You know, it, it is the question, why do you keep going back? And I would love to hear people's insight into that. Um, again, I think you love them. Um, maybe you don't have financial support. Maybe your parents tell you to go back. Yeah, and kudos for, to her for thinking about her children, getting them away, mm-hmm. um, obviously multiple times, and yeah. eventually for forever, forever, it seems like. She so did. kudos for her. She did. Uh, Daniel also told of another time where he found a mirror with lines of cocaine on it, and he mm. knew what it was. He was old enough to recognize it, and he was afraid they'd go to jail, so he put it down the trash <sighs> or down the toilet. Uh-oh. And his mother came in and started yelling at him and acting in a way that he'd never seen before. Um, he now realizes that she was deathly afraid of what was right. going to happen once the dad got there. Mm. So cocaine can make people really aggressive. Mm-hmm. So I think that probably fueled it. He also remembered another time when his dad lost it on a camping trip. He heard a loud noise and he turned to see his dad like a crazed animal, literally breaking things, throwing things, destroyed their entire camp. And uh, he even picked up a hatchet, and he slammed it into a tree. And then he just walked away like nothing happened. So his mom cleaned up the mess. He returned uh, two hours later in a different mood, and he asked if Daniel wanted to go fishing. Wow. He said that his dad would have intense swings from kindness 
to violence, to kindness, to violence. And I think that's why the mom maybe kept going back is a love bombing yeah. stage, the honeymoon stage. I don't know. So, which typically that's either signs of mental health or drug abuse or mm. both. Or Ooh, both. That's really bad. Yeah, if he had cocaine and he was mm. using. I wonder uh, how his childhood was himself. I, I don't know. I couldn't find I wanted to find more information on that. Look how bad his was. And mm-hmm. he's just trying to function as a, yeah. oh, I assume, a good human being. Yeah. Uh, now, he That's also witnessed um, him brutally beat their dog when he <laughs> ran away. And then he would just have a drink after his outbursts. It was very common. He would just go into these wild rages, and then he would have a drink and relax. He saw his mother hurt and cleaning up glass one day. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Um, he told of a time where his dad traveled a lot with his job and he'd go to all these exotic places and so as young kids him and his brother found this like really neat like knife type sword thing and they started playing and the brother had like a skillet up and he was deflecting the sword uh you know strikes and they're just playing like little kids would well it ruined the knife and when he realized he had chipped it and all of that on the pan he was terrified so he put it back in the the holder and he put it back in the shelf well eventually his dad found out and so he had to bend over and he was beaten brutally later he found out it was actually the mom that did it and he was like why did you do that you know to me and she said i was afraid he was going to kill you and so she wept as she did that to her Uh son but she was afraid he'd kill him so, I mean, she just... And still stayed. Yeah. Now, one of the trips when they went to North Dakota, the tire blew out and they almost wrecked. Well, he had just checked everything and had just checked the car before they left. Mm-hmm. And his mother thinks that he was trying to kill him. Yeah. Uh, his uh, mom left wow. and took them during a really violent night when Raleigh destroyed the entire house and then pushed Daniel's brother. So the police came. They had to tackle him. They took him away. And Daniel remembers the anger on his father's face and remembers feeling bad for him but also afraid yeah. of him. Uh, Dad, uh, Daniel would see his father occasionally after that with other girlfriends, and he physically abused them. And he also had met Jennifer, and he really liked her and thought she was a great influence on his dad. So after he was convicted, Daniel begged the court to not give him the death penalty. Raleigh, in turn, told the jury they killed Jennifer and to put him to death. And Daniel felt it was a final act of revenge by his dad and cruelty yeah, because yeah. he begged him to save his life. Oh, to him. Yeah. Uh, now, his life's been a wreck since the trial. He lives in constant worry that people will find out that his father was a killer and that he's afraid he can pass that nature on to his kids. Yeah. What surprised me about Raleigh, though, is he didn't stalk the ex-wife. Like, why not? Yeah. Isn't that weird? That is weird. So maybe he, he probably wasn't. probably has someone else. Well, no. Well, I even focused. go to the family's house. I thought that was odd. He didn't do that. Yeah. And then even the one that testified, he left her alone. Well, he did vandalize a little bit, but he eventually moved on. So it's almost like he wasn't as much of a stalker as he was a typical abuser. Yeah. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. That poor kid, I bet he's been in counseling. I wonder if he's I married hope. or... I hope so. He'll never have a happy life, right? Yeah, and I mean, unless he doing, can work you know, through unless it. Unless he can work through it, you know. Uh, he just looks sad. Now, yeah. we have resources on our website for people that they can go. We even have one link 
and I probably need to uh, make sure they're still updated um, where it, it's for if you need to escape but mm -hmm. if, if the abuser walks into the room you can just hit a link real quick and it looks like a weather app yeah uh, so we've got that on there but this is actually the same guy this is the son oh and he ran for office and there was actually a scandal um he was accused on, of some people. oh he was accused of he was father. accused of some stuff and he actually lost his temper at a meeting and, and i'm not saying he has his dad's right. nature in there because i believe it's both nature versus nurture yeah and like i've talked about before you know i have a in my dna a fear of public speaking i do it all the time so again you you have the power to control your response and and how you live your life um but I was kind of sad that there was scandal surrounding him, and he did lose his temper. What was in the meeting. scandal about his father? No, mm -hmm. it was something with him. the election. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't necessarily want to go into the details. Is he married? I don't. I don't know. Mm. I, don't, I don't think so. But anyway, I just wanted to do that one to kind of get into some of the legal aspects of prior bad acts, but also, you know, if again, value yourself enough to get away. Um, but at the same time, and I'm not blaming Daniel at all, but did he tell Jennifer, like, was Jennifer aware of how violent he was? So he liked her. He said she was a good influence to him. Mm -hmm. So I could see him choosing not to tell her. Yeah. Hoping that maybe she yeah. could calm his dad down and change Changing, him. Change him. Yeah. Yeah. And he's still in prison. Yeah. No I, parole. Oh, death penalty? I don't know. No, he did not get the death penalty. And I think it's <sighs> life without have. parole. Yeah, he should have. He should have gotten the he death penalty sure. because he was violent. And, yeah, there's some murders where, you know, he, someone may get stabbed or they strangle them. But these that, you know, especially like the Jason Bond and this one, that it, it was so violent and cruel. Mm -hmm. That takes it to me to a whole nother level. And I mm -hmm. wish both of them would have been put to death. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. But anyway, so if you are having trouble and you need to get away, go to our website, get you a support system, do what you need to do. But, you know, like our tag says, be smart, be rude, and don't be a victim. Outline of a Murder is a Mr. Joseph production. What do you think, Joseph? Joseph. <laughs>